Preface to the Autobiography of Phineas Pett. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Autobiography of Phineas Pett by Phineas Pett. Edited by W. G. Perrin. Preface the manuscript in which phineas pett has recorded the story of his life from his birth in fifteen seventy to the end of september sixteen thirty eight consisted originally of sixty-nine uniform quarto sheets of which the fifty-second is now lost together with the bottom of the fourteenth the handwriting is that of phineas throughout but marginal references on the first few pages and a note at the end the life of commissioner pett's father whose place he did enjoy have been added subsequently by samuel pepys no doubt when he was making the transcript referred to below the first paragraph is written on a separate sheet which unlike the rest has no writing on the back and is followed by a series of subtraction sums of the form sixteen twelve minus fifteen seventy equals forty two giving the age of phineas for each year from sixteen twelve to sixteen forty from the differences apparent in the figures and ink it is clear that these calculations were made year by year from the time that phineas was forty-two until he reached the age of seventy a close inspection of the internal construction the handwriting and of the ink used leads to the conclusion that the body of the manuscript in the form in which it has descended to us was written up not at short intervals but in sections at comparatively long intervals of time the first and largest of these written apparently in sixteen twelve narrates the events down to september sixteen ten and stops at the word ordered on line fifteen of page eighty below the remainder of that paragraph continues on a fresh sheet in a smaller handwriting and different ink and from that point the ample margin of the earlier pages is abandoned and a small one ruled off with lead pencil the top line of this page is also ruled and from this page to the end of the writing the use of these pencil lines persists the next break is in july sixteen eleven page ninety two where pett reiterates the statement that he was sent for by prince henry another break in the writing seems to occur in september sixteen thirteen and a very perceptible one with change of ink occurs in sixteen twenty five at all april page one hundred and thirty four the final section as indicated by a further change of ink begins in february sixteen thirty one the twenty third of february page one hundred and forty six the various anachronisms observable in the text show that these sections were written up some considerable time after the events occurred thus the references to sir john pennington in sixteen twenty seven and sixteen twenty eight make it clear that the events of those years were not written up before sixteen thirty four from the great accuracy of the dates given which have been frequently tested from contemporary sources it is clear that phineas kept a diary in which events were recorded as they occurred and from which the narrative was compiled he appears to have commenced this diary on going to chatham in june sixteen hundred when precise dates begin to replace the vague about toward the end 
etc of the earlier paragraphs the narrative stops abruptly in sixteen thirty eight apparently with the sentence unfinished for there is no mark of punctuation after the last word in sixteen forty when the final section seems to have been written pet was an old man and it is probable that having been interrupted at this point the fast-gathering troubles of the state diverted his mind from the subject or left him without sufficient energy or leisure to pursue it it will be noticed that towards the end the composition becomes more slovenly and the omission of words more frequent as though the task had become burdensome and the author anxious to have done with it pepys copied the whole of the manuscript into the first volume of his miscellany with the following preface quote, a journal of phineas pett esq commissioner of the navy and father to pete pett late commissioner of the same at chatham viz from his birth about fifteen seventy to the arrival of the royal sovereign by him then newly built at her moorings at chatham transcribed from the original written all with his own hand and lent me to that purpose by his grandson mr phineas son to captain phineas pett End quote. the manuscript afterwards came into the possession of george jackson who was secretary of the navy board in seventeen fifty eight and second secretary of the admiralty from seventeen sixty six to seventeen eighty two sir george ducket he had changed his surname in seventeen ninety seven died in eighteen twenty two and ten years later his library including a very valuable collection of naval manuscripts was sold by auction fortunately the manuscripts were purchased by the british museum after being bought in at the sale the volume number four in which this manuscript was contained becoming additional manuscript ninety two ninety eight a commonplace book additional manuscript ninety two ninety five containing among copies of various naval documents an abbreviated version was purchased at the same time the copy of the autobiography most generally known as the early eighteenth century transcript in the harleian collection harleian sixty two seventy nine it is to this copy that writers usually refer possibly because it is mentioned in the paper published in archaeologia in seventeen ninety six although the garbled extracts there given are stated to have been taken from another copy and seem in fact to have been taken from the original a further reason for the preference generally shown for the harleian copy may be its more modern and more clerkly handwriting the harleian transcript is not a good one it contains few omissions none of great importance but mistranscriptions of individual words are very numerous and have reduced the text to nonsense in several places it may seem strange that writers should be content to quote passages that were evidently incorrect without looking at another copy which was easily to be found but whatever the reason may be the fact is that hitherto the original has remained unidentified as such the best transcript is that made by pepys and even he had difficulty in deciphering some of the words although the handwriting of pet is on the whole very clear and consistent in preparing this edition the pepysian and harleian copies have been collated and the missing parts of the original made good by this means but as the numerous inversions of form and mistakes of reading in these copies have no general interest 
and are of no authority in presence of the original there is no need to specify them in detail considerable license has been taken with the punctuation of the sentences which is entirely without system in the original and the spelling has been modernized in accordance with the rule of the society but the composition has been left otherwise untouched where some word is necessary to complete the sense it has been added in square brackets and the parts now missing from the original which have been supplied from the transcripts have been printed in italics the legal year in england prior to seventeen fifty two did not commence until the twenty fifth of march and pett usually gives his date by this reckoning but in one or two instances he writes as though the year had begun on first of january and ended on thirty first of december to avoid misunderstanding it may be stated that the dates in the introduction headings and notes are given according to the julian year commencing on the first of january pett invariably wrote and signed finis but it has been thought better to adhere to the spelling phineas which appears from time to time in documents from sixteen o five onwards and has been universally adopted by modern writers in the introduction an attempt has been made first to trace the rise of the master shipwright as an official of the crown and to consider his relation to the profession of shipwrights generally secondly to trace the origin of the pet family and its ramifications down to the date of phineas's death thirdly to throw additional light on the events narrated in the manuscript from such original sources as are accessible in asking the indulgence of the reader towards the evident shortcomings of this attempt the editor would plead that most of the work has had to be carried out under great difficulties in scanty moments of leisure despite the generous assistance of mr vincent redstone of woodbridge whose extensive knowledge of suffolk genealogy has been brought to bear on the problem it has not been found possible to trace the pet family to its original location but it is hoped that sufficient has been done to render this task more easy to some future investigator in conclusion the editor has to thank many friends for the help readily given more especially dr tanner who has read the proofs and given the introduction the benefit of his criticism and mr g e mannering of the london library who has rendered invaluable help in clearing up many obscure points and he is indebted to mrs scott for the loan of the manuscript treatise on shipbuilding referred to in the introduction the editor has also had the great advantage of discussing with mr l g carr lawton the technical questions raised in connection with the prince royal and the sovereign of the seas w g p december nineteen eighteen End of preface.